If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Good to be together to spend some time, look at the Parsha, look at the time of the year, and to look at our own lives and to see how we can together go forward, to grow, to refine, to develop, and to become the better type of people that each and every one of us want to become. Each and every one of us has tremendous potential. Each and every one of us has the capacity, the ability, and the desire to reach higher. And this is why we look into Torah. Torah is the guide. Torah teaches. Torah enables us to make that move forward. Of course, we are in the period of Sfirata Omer. Today is the 26th day. For those of you who haven't had the opportunity last night of counting the Omer, repeat after me. Hayom, Shisha, Ve'esrim Yom, Shehem, Shlosha, Shavuot, Ve'chamisha, Yamim, La'omer. Today is the 26th day of the Omer, which means three weeks and five days of the Omer, which means, of course, that we have passed the middle point of the Omer, the Omer, which is 49 days from second day of Pesach right through until the festival of Shavuot. We count the days from the liberation, from Exodus, all the way to receiving the Torah at Sinai. We have passed the middle point. This reminds us so that this is a great journey, an important journey, a journey of growth, a journey of introspection, a journey into oneself, a journey out of oneself, a journey of recognition, a journey of revelation. And each and every single day, there is another dimension of our personality, of our character that needs attention, that needs to be looked at, that needs to be refined. And we are told that today's character refinement is Hod Shebenetzach. And although, according to our mystical teachers, there are different ways of translating the word Hod and Netzach, Netzach, of course, is the dominant feature of this week. Each week has a dominant feature. Netzach means victory. Netzach means endurance. This is the week of Netzach. The day is Hod. What is Hod? Hod is splendor. Hod is humility within endurance in order to ensure that endurance is applied in the proper way, that victory is seen in the proper way, there has to be a dimension of humility. Now, many people make a mistake and think to themselves that humility, well, that's that's not really a quality. That's a lack of self-esteem. Nothing could be further from the truth. Just as arrogance is not a strength, so is humility and modesty, not a weakness. The opposite is true. Arrogance is a weakness. Humility is a strength. Humility is the ability of recognizing the presence of others. Humility is recognizing deficiencies in oneself. Def- recognizing deficiencies in oneself is not a lack of self-esteem. It is a courageous understanding of oneself. It's an ability of going forward with recognition of doing something better. And therefore, when it comes to the week of Netzach, the week of victory, the week of endurance, the week that speaks to us about standing up 
for that which we think to be correct and proper, for taking the stand, for saying we will stand by our principles, the idea of victory, nitzachon, there has to be a degree of humility as well. Now what is the root of hod? Hod comes from hodaya. Hodaya means recognizing the acceptance of something which is higher. And this is the idea of true humility. The ability for a human being to recognize that after all, he is a human being. Now a human being has tremendous potential. A human being has tremendous ability. A human being is able to achieve incredible, extraordinary things. But at the end of the day, he is limited by his humanness. He has to recognize that his gifts, his abilities, his strengths, his entire being is a gift from God. And this is where the hodaya, this is where the humility must come in. The recognition that there is a creator, the recognition <coughs> excuse me, that there is something greater than himself, something that brings him into being, brought him into being, gives him the ability to continue and to be strength. And this is something which is so vital in every single situation of life. Not to be arrogant, to be humble, to recognize the presence of the other, to recognize the presence of oneself and the weakness within oneself, to recognize one's strength, to recognize one's shortcoming, to understand that there is always an interaction, there's always an association, there has to be an idea of coming together. This is the idea of true endurance. This is the idea of true victory. Victory doesn't mean my way and no other way. Victory ultimately means how can we do this thing together? It doesn't mean giving up on my principles. Quite to the contrary. But at the same time, it also means do I have the ability, the humility, the modesty to listening to someone else, to understanding someone else's strengths, to understanding someone else's shortcomings and try to modify my own in order to accept the other. This is the character refinement that we are concerned with today, the 26th day of the Omar. The week we're entering is a special week. Monday is Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach. Because as we know, when the temple was standing, the people had to bring the Pesach, the Korban Pesach, the Pesach offering, the Pesach sacrifice. But if a person was geographically distant from Jerusalem, from the temple, he couldn't bring the Korban Pesach. Or if he was in a state of ritual impurity, he couldn't bring the Korban Pesach. Torah tells us, Nothing is permanently lost forever. You always have a chance to correct that which you couldn't do previously. There is the second Pesach. Comes a month later, the 14th of the month of Iyar, a month after the 14th of the month of Nisan, and you have the chance to bring the Korban Pesach again. And the way we have to connect with this particular festival, some people say it's a minor festival. There's no such thing. It's a festival to remind us we can always make up for that which was undone in the past. The way we celebrate is by eating some matzah on the day of Pesach Sheni on Monday. But it's an important day to remember that there is always the opportunity of doing 
something that makes up for the past. The Parsha, of course, is a double Parsha. The Parsha is Achrei and Kedoshim, an interesting combination of two powerful Parshiot that come together, particularly at this time of the year, that corresponds to the ideas that I just mentioned, the character refinement and Pesach Sheni, but more of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. Let's take a look at the first of the two parshas. Now, normally these two parshas come together, Achrei and Kedoshim. Some years, yes, we read them separately. But this year, as in most years, we read them together, Achrei. How does it all begin? It says, and God spoke to Moshe, Achrei Motshnei B'nei Aharon. And God spoke to Moshe after the death of the two sons of Aaron. And the question, of course, is why mention it here? We already read about it a few weeks ago in Parshat Shmini, how they perished, how they died. They brought a strange fire before God, and they died in the temple on the day, on the eighth day when the temple was consecrated. Why repeat it right now? Was it necessary to speak about that rather tragic event? And yet, when we take a look at the Parsha, how does it all begin? The Parsha begins to talk about the various laws pertaining to the all-important holy festival of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And therefore, why is it necessary at this particular point to tell us that when was this instruction given? When was the law of Yom Kippur, the laws of Yom Kippur given to us? It was told to us after the death of the sons of Aaron. Now, if you recall, we spoke about why did the sons of Aaron die? What was their terrible sin? And of course, as the sages have different points of view, but generally the underlying reason is because they expired in a moment of holy spiritual ecstasy. Their souls simply left their body. They had this incredible desire to connect with the absolute holiness and spirituality of godliness, they no longer felt they had a place in this physical, limited world. They had this incredible desire to leave the limitations of this physical existence and to simply go into a spiritual reality. That was considered a sin. Because after all, God said, I created a world. A physical world, that's within this physical world that you have to function. To leave this physical world is not what, in fact, purpose of creation is all about. And therefore, in the greater sense of things, it was considered an inappropriate action for their souls to simply expire, to leave, to reach this higher level of spirituality. Now, why would a person want to leave this world? There could be one of two reasons. Number one, this tremendous desire to connect with this incredibly powerful spiritual dimension. Or, when you take a look at the world and the weakness of the world, the shortcomings of the world, the problems of the world, the negativity of the world, the impurity of the world, you say to yourself, who wants to exist within this negative situation? You take a look at the world and you say to yourself, why be here? I can go to something which is higher and better and holier and far more spiritual. And this is why after the last few weeks, 
when we read about the laws of kashrut, we read about the laws of purity and impurity. A person takes a look at the world and says to oneself, it's impossible. How can I possibly lead a life of correct behavior, of appropriate behavior? How can I possibly lead a life of that which God expects me to do when this world is filled with so much impurity, with so much negativity? There is always, God forbid, the chance that I will contract that type of impurity. I will come into contact with something which will bring me down. The food that I eat, all these laws of kashrut, this is proper, this is improper, this is good, this is bad, this is kosher, this is not kosher, this animal is permitted, this one is prohibited, etc., etc., this type of action, this type of association, this type of connection, etc., etc., etc. And a person can think to oneself, why live in this physical world? Because after all, this physical world is so full, as mentioned before, of negativity, that the chances of living a good and pure life are almost non-existent. What does the Torah tells us? The Torah tells us what we're going to talk about comes about after the sin of the sons of Aaron. What did the sons of Aaron do? They wanted to leave this physical world in order to connect with something which is greater and spiritual. No. We're going to talk about Yom Kippur. What is Yom Kippur all about? Yom Kippur is a day that God says that even though you may have gone through this physical world and you may have made mistakes and you have done things which are inappropriate and incorrect, there is a chance for forgiveness. There is the opportunity of atonement. You can do Teshuvah. You can repent. You can correct that which you've done in the past, which shouldn't have been done. This is not the end of things. This is not the way God created his special place. Of course God knows that it's an imperfect world. Of course God knows that it's a challenging world. Of course God knows that this is a world of great difficulty, where each and every single day a person is tempted by all sorts of things. And chances are that a human being from time to time will fail. But the answer is not to leave this world for a higher and hidden to leave this world and protect oneself about being involved in the world. The answer is live in this physical world as best as you can. And if you've made a mistake, comes the laws of Yom Kippur. There is always the opportunity of teshuva, of repentance. There's always the opportunity of atonement. God will forgive. But this comes after the story of the sons of Aaron, because that is not an alternative. To escape the world, to run away from the physical world, that is not what God wants. And then we come to the second parsha. What is the second parsha? The second parsha is Kedoshim. Let's take a look at the parsha of Kedoshim. What does it say to that? God says, I want you to be holy because I am holy. And we stop for a moment and we think to ourselves, what does this really mean? We should be holy because God is holy. God is perfect. How can God expect from us 
to achieve a level of holiness because he is holy. This is something which a human being simply cannot attain. What is holiness really all about? A holiness we think to ourselves is a spiritual state of perfection. Not necessarily. The word holy also means to create borders, to create limits, to create definitions and divisions. God created a world of a great many different things. God created a world of good and evil. God created a world of proper and improper. God created a world of a great many different things. And in that world, he created boundaries. He said, this is proper, this is improper. This is permissible, this is prohibited. This is right and this is wrong. This is the type of world God said, I created. And because this is a world that I created, each and every single element of that world has a purpose. And this is why I give the human the strength, the ability, the knowledge to cope in that world. Kedoshim to you, you shall be holy because I am holy, because I have created this type of world of manyness, many challenges, many opportunities, and this is why I am giving you this. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're back. Sorry about that little uh, technical hitch we had, but we're talking about Achare and Kedoshim, two parashiot that come together that talk to us about something which is incredibly significant in life. The ability to recognize that, yes, we can and do make mistakes. That's why God gave us Yom Kippur. We make mistakes. God says, I give you the opportunity of doing teshuva, of coming to Yom Kippur, of being atoned for those mistakes. I don't take you out of this world. I don't expect you to hide behind big walls and run away from the world. I expect you to interact within this world. I expect you to function within this world. I expect you to encounter life the physical dimension of life, the entire parashio that we read previously, Shmini, Tazriya, and Metzora, you have to interact with life to know what you can eat, what you cannot eat, to know what you can encounter, what you cannot encounter, what you can relate to, what you should not relate to. You have to know those things. And yes, you have to know how to connect with that which you should connect with and how to avoid that which you must avoid. And then we come to the Parsha of Kedoshim. What does Kedoshim talk to us? As I said before, Kedoshim, God says, you shall be holy because I am holy. And it's interesting because the Parsha says, Daber el koladat b'nei Yisrael, speak to the entire congregation. This is one part of Torah that Moshe addressed and taught to the entire people at the same time, unlike any other part where he first taught Aaron and his sons and Joshua, etc., etc., the elders because this contains the basic tenets, the basic rules, the laws that are contained in Kedoshim, the basic rules of what constitutes Torah Jewish life. What is God saying, Kedoshim, to you? I created a world of manyness. I created a world of different things. Yes, sometimes even opposite things, sometimes even conflicting things, sometimes things that 
in actual fact don't live together. I have created things that you may do. I have created things that you may not do. I have created things that you may live with. I have created things that you may not live with. I have created things that are permissible. I have created things that are prohibited. I have created a world of manyness, but I have also created boundaries. And this is something which the human being has to understand. The human being has to understand that, although I said earlier on, you are limited by your humanness at the same time, a human being is extraordinarily great. God gives us wisdom. God gives us strength. God gives us the ability to somehow live in this world and live in this world correctly. God gives us the strength to recognize that which is right and that which is wrong. And to deal with it, he gives us the ability of disciplining our lives correctly and addressing the issues of life the way those issues should be addressed. This is the whole idea of Kedoshim. Holiness does not mean escaping this physical world. Holiness means understanding the boundaries that God placed within this world. This is the relationship of the two parafiot of Achari and Kedoshim. This comes after the death of the two sons of Aaron. Escaping the world is not an alternative. Giving up on the world is not an alternative. Living the world, being challenged, and understanding, yes, sometimes it is. And in actual fact, it is a daily challenge to recognize right and wrong, to do that which is correct, and to somehow desist from doing something which is wrong. This is what life is really all about. And I use a term. I call it imperfect perfection. Imperfect perfection. That's what the human condition is all about. We try to be as perfect as we can. We cannot be absolutely perfect, but we can be as perfect as we try. Imperfect perfection is what Torah expects us to be on a constant, regular basis. This is the idea of this particular time of the year as well, when we are concerned with character refinement, the whole idea of Sfirata Omer, counting the Omer, recognizing the individual character trait that we possess, our own personalities. This is something which is so important for us to understand, the ability of knowing ourselves, the ability of seeing ourselves, recognizing our strengths, recognizing our weaknesses, taking our strengths, enhancing them, expanding them, making them stronger, looking at our weaknesses, looking at our shortcomings, trying to correct them, trying to change them, trying to make sure that they are not dominant in our lives. And each and every single day of the 49 days of the Sphira, we look at a different dimension of life. And as mentioned before this coming week on Monday, Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni is a time that we understand nothing is lost. There is always an opportunity, like Yom Kippur, to correct that which was undone in the past. Whether by omission or commission, however it happened, nothing is lost forever. There is always an opportunity to do something about correcting the past. There is always an opportunity of doing something 
reaching into the past. You know, we often say, oh, what's gone is gone. What's past is past. That's not the way it is. We can actually reach into the past. We are able to take something, reach into the past, change it, correct it, and our present becomes so much better. Our future becomes so much brighter. And this is why this is a special time of the year. This is why these two parashiyot coming together are so very special as well. So as I always say, if you're at home or if you're in shul, tomorrow when you are reading or listening to this parsha, listen carefully. Listen carefully to the parsha of Achrei. Achrei speaks to us about the laws of Yom Kippur, the laws of intimate relations, that which is permissible, that which is prohibited. Listen to Ketoshim, a huge array of interesting laws, how they apply the entire spectrum of Jewish life. Each and every single law talks to us about a different dimension of Jewish law. Listen carefully. Try to apply it to a different dimension of your own life. Try to see it within the context of your own personal experience. Try to understand it as something that's talking to you directly. Use it as a personal guide. Use it as a personal lesson. It will help. It will look. Understand the idea of imperfect perfection. That's what life is all about. Achrei and Kadoshim coming together to teach us how to grow, how to develop, how to become so much greater. Good chance.